Blog Talk Radio. I'm Margaret Lowe Smith, NPR's Acting Senior Vice President for News. When I was 13 years old, Claude Brown transformed the way I saw the world. He wrote the book Manchild in the Promised Land. It's a novel, but really an autobiographical sketch of his childhood on the streets of Harlem in the 40s and 50s. Brown hung out with hustlers, drug dealers, and prostitutes. His story sprung me from my suburban childhood and introduced me to another America. When the story begins, the main character, Sonny, is 13 years old. He's been shot in the leg trying to rob a fish and chips joint. The character is the same age I was when I read the book. He'd been on the streets since he was eight, running from the cops, truant officers, and storekeepers. Claude Brown ultimately found his way off the streets, made his way to law school and to write Manchild, shining a light on where he came from, revealing humanity and hope in a place where most people only see despair. The book has sold millions and millions of copies, a testimony to its resonance. Brown's story captivated and inspired me. It had heart and humor, and I felt a profound connection to this kid. It made me think about my own privilege and to wonder this. If I had nothing and the odds were stacked against me, would I be able to find my way out? I'll never know the answer to that question, but it has stuck with me my whole life. I find myself drawn to people who weren't born into comfort, but somehow created possibility for themselves. Brown's greatest gift to me was that he sparked my curiosity about worlds and people I don't know, and he helped me see courage and desire, not only in people who are just like me, but in everyone. Hey, good evening, and welcome to another edition of the Bachelor News Radio Show on the Bachelor News Radio Network and on our sister station, WCOM. In Chapel Hill and Carborough, North Carolina, you can catch the show and rebroadcast on our website uh, at uh, the Bachelor News Radio Network dot com. The Bachelor News Radio Network dot com. I'm LA Bachelor. We thank you for joining us wherever you're listening. We appreciate you. Six four six nine two nine zero one three zero is the number uh, to reach us um, throughout the show. Our chat room is open. If you go online to uh, uh, blogtalkradio.com forward slash LA hyphen bachelor, you can catch the show uh, there and and, uh, go online and listen. And you can make your your thoughts known uh, in our chat room, which is open as well. And Pad Nation on Facebook, Pad Nation number two at Twitter. And Instagram is L.A. Bachelor. I want to bring in my guest. He is a longtime activist and award-winning author whose most recent book is Novel in Motion. Uh, joining us once again, part two sort of, of our conversation before about the plot to overthrow Franklin Roosevelt is Andy Piasek. Uh From my native of Connecticut, Andy, I hope all is well with you this evening, sir. Yes, it is, L.A. Hope so with you, too, as well. It is. Uh, before we kind of talk about your novel, what what did you think of, um, just kind of get your thoughts on the the second impeachment of the guy who used to occupy the, the White House, which I don't like to say his name, um, and how the politics and the, the long-term ramifications can be with this guy. He already said, look, in 2022 – I'm going to run again. His people are just waiting for 2022. So what's your thoughts on the uh, on the process and how everything went? 
I think it was important that the second impeachment trial was done. I think that it was important if for no other reason than some kind of a message was sent that there's a fair amount of opposition to this kind of event being organized again, uh, referring to the coup attempt of January 6th. I think um, the main kind of emphasis that I look at is always what is happening at the grassroots. I think the hundreds of demonstrations that we saw last spring and last summer uh, against police, uh, against continuing police violence against black people were an important part of Biden's election victory. First of all, it galvanized a lot of people who probably had never attended any kind of such event like a demonstration or a rally before. And it got them in connection with really experienced, uh, well, you know, well-informed activists who were building organizations and campaigns. And I think it also just resonated with people who maybe didn't turn out for anything that just how horrible the situation is. Um, and not only is it not being very well addressed, but you have the Republicans basically being apologists for it and supporters of it. So one, I think, thing led to another, and a lot of that stuff that was done in the spring and the summer led to the big voter registration campaigns in places like Georgia, but other places as well, that ultimately led to Biden being able to squeak through with a victory. And unfortunately, it is such a sad state of affairs that you know, the election was quite close. If you take Georgia and Pennsylvania and Wisconsin and Michigan, all of which were fairly narrow victories for Biden, if you some combination of those states had gone instead in favor of Trump, he would still be president. As shocking as that is, it's a fact. And um, I think it's really due to a lot of hard work by primarily black activists, not only black activists, but they were certainly in the lead um, in, you know, sending a very stark message to America. Like, look, we need to get this guy out. There's a lot of other stuff that's wrong that needs to be fixed and we can deal with that, but we can't really deal with it as effectively if he remains in the white house. So yeah, I think going forward, it's going to be very difficult. These white supremacist forces and reactionaries are quite strong. There are a lot of them are heavily armed. They're, they're not going away. Um, I have no idea what's going to happen with Trump himself or with the long-term uh, structure of the, the Republican Party, you know, whether it might split, whether some other new party led by Trump might emerge, you know, all that remains to be seen. And But the main thing is that they're there, they're strong, they're not going away, and it's up to us to kind of build the grassroots organizations that we need or strengthen the ones that already exist um, in order to both counteract what they may be doing, <clears throat> but also put forward the kind of social vision that we have for ourselves going forward as well.
Well, you know, you said a, um, a mouthful, and, and I just want to touch on something because it really it does lead to uh, your your article, which was really um, well written. Um, I think that this notion, first of all, even with the South still sort of being the South, as you mentioned, uh, Georgia in particular was a, a nail biter. It took Stacey Abrams and other people to get out there and galvanize people who never really voted or never really felt like they voted counted. Um, and it worked. And, and despite what the other side tried to say, it wasn't stolen. It was people going out saying enough is enough. Um, but as we know from your article, where where the lead, if you will, um, plot person, if you will, was from Connecticut. I mean, we were just—I was just watching a um, documentary on um, Thurgood Marshall and the case that he had um, with the black uh, limo driver um, that was driving around a white woman and. You know, they had intercourse, she cried rape, and they tried it, and that was up um, in Connecticut. I mean, the guy was from Louisiana, but it was tried up there. So, I mean, it's a lot of the, the, the what what's, you know, the more things change, the more things stay the same. Um, and I don't think it's even a regional thing. I don't think it's a north-south thing. I, I think uh, to your article and to now, you know, the, these are not uneducated bigots and racists and supremacists, not all of them. Uh, a lot of them are rich and they're doctors and they're lawyers and they're politicians and they're this and they're that and they own these companies, which goes to your article about um, Franklin Roosevelt, who was duly elected, and you have these characters, these really powerful, influential George Bush uh, uh, first and second grandfather and all these different people that wanted to plot to take out Franklin Roosevelt by it seemed any means necessary. They certainly had the money and the resources. And then who knows? We were looking at, uh, you know, um, uh, another assassination. We've seen with Abe Lincoln and, and other attempts. So I, I wanted to kind of give some of that um, of the article, but just just talk about why you wrote the article based on on the history uh that you the the information you got and and what the article essentially was about and especially in terms of the plot it grew out of the fact first of all that you said that some of the major players were from Connecticut based in Connecticut the individual that you referenced, Gerald McGuire, was the head of the American Legion in Connecticut. Prescott Bush, who was the grandfather and father of two United States presidents, was a wealthy Wall Street executive who lived in Greenwich, eventually became a senator from the state of Connecticut, and others as well. Uh, before I get too much into the events of 1933 and 1934, I want to really highlight something that you said earlier in the sense that it's not, yeah, we do think of uh, the heartland or the middle part of the country as being sort of the base for a lot of what we've seen with these fascist-like white supremacist groups that have grown up in the recent decades. 
But it's important to point out, and I've made this point in a couple of talks that I've given, the majority of white people who voted in the state of Connecticut voted for Trump in November. The majority of the white people who voted in the state of New York voted for Trump in November. Hmm. So any idea, and I'm sure if you went through and broke down, I haven't gone through and broken down other states, but I would guess that probably if you look at other states in the Northeast, you'd see something similar. So this idea that this is some kind of a liberal bastion and we should all pat ourselves on the back for not being like those rednecks and backward people, you know, wherever, uh, is 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 a kind of an illusion. Well, not an illusion. It's wrong. It's factually wrong. Um, and I think the other point that you made is very important, is that much like in the 1930s, today what we see are very influential, very wealthy people who are in one way or another supporting or bankrolling a lot of what we saw in terms of counter-protests um, against the demonstrations against police violence, the storming of the Capitol on January 6th. If we go back to, <clears throat> I guess, what was one of the first major outbreaks of the last decade in Missouri after um, a young man was killed by a police officer there, we had a kind of startling picture of armed paramilitary types who had no connection directly or officially with the police department, but many of them were former police officers or law enforcement types or friends of law enforcement types who showed up and were welcomed in the counter demonstrations armed to the maximum. And, um, that's uh does doesn't you know i mean it seems as though the danger point potentially going forward is that these kind of reactionary white supremacist ideas and actions will become more pronounced among law enforcement and among the military and though among all the other dangers that we're facing that may be one of the most uh, dangerous that we have to confront in one way, <clears throat> one way or another. Andy, real quick, would you, if to your article, you mentioned uh, Gerald McGuire, um, uh, the the head of the American Legions, um, and in Connecticut, he goes to Pennsylvania to try to uh, enlist, if you will, a former uh, Marine Corps General Smedley Butler in Pennsylvania, who was a Roosevelt supporter and and certainly has some influence in the military. You just mentioned military law enforcement. Um, and, you know, there, there's this, he, you know, McGuire presents this as, you know, something with the American legions, which they're all a part of. And it turns into this, we have this powerful money. I think they said $3 million, what I'm sure was a lot of money then. Uh, backing and more. I mean, they had the DuPonts on board. I mentioned George, the the, the Bush uh, folks on board, um, and and so on and so forth. And then I hadn't even mentioned some of the, some of the um, the other um, people, the J.P. Morgans. So they had the Wall Street. They had um, 
again, these these powerful people that are very sort of dormant um, and and not you're not going to hear them, but you and you won't see them. But their money and their power is the influence, and and so you bring it from that time to now, and you have a president right now and and Joe Biden that to me it's probably in a worse position than President Obama with the COVID and and all the white supremacy stuff you mentioned, all these hate groups, uh, the economy, everything. It's just, and they just kind of, and the other side just threw it at them, you know, and and left it the way it is. Um, On top of the fact that you have law enforcement that is ready to do do the dirty work of these people. These are in they're integrated into society. I said it jokingly the last time. They're mowing their lawn right next door to you, waving to you hello, and they're out there taking their country back. So my question to you is, and it might be sort of a simple, it might be even a, a stupid question. I don't know, but why is it that um the majority of the hate comes from white folks what what do the the question i asked on the air the other day is what else do they want these people not andy piasic but the other ones right what do what are we doing that you are still not getting it you still have a leg up you know you still are born to privilege based on your skin you may not be rich but you still have some privilege what do they want andy what is what is the hate and the, and this sense of you know minorities just taking whatever. No, it's a it's a quite profound question, and uh, to some extent the answer is a mystery to I think everybody who has studied it because what you can come up with is that they do have this sense of entitlement, unrecognized of course. They don't think that they're entitled. They just think that they're the true hardworking Americans. And that these alien people apparently are making unjust inroads on what they think that they've worked hard for and earned, all of which is illusionary, I think. There's no question about that, because if you look at any kind of breakdown, you still see tremendous disparities in terms of wealth that's owned on average by whites compared to blacks. You see... Tremendous disparity in terms of representation in government and business uh, as far as whites compared to blacks. So I think it it just speaks to something that's really entrenched, I think, in this country where whether people want to come out and say it directly or not, they're just in favor of a state of affairs where white people run the country and everybody else is there to follow orders and do the hardest work and shut up and go home. And, you know, that for them is kind of the ideal society, I guess. I think it's important to point out that while it's maybe not the major theme of American history, there are important times at which significant numbers of whites and blacks work together I mean, some of my background is in the labor movement, so that's what I'm most familiar with. But you also see it in, for example, the brief period of Reconstruction after the 
uh, Civil War, where white, what you might call poor whites in parts of the Deep South came to recognize that they had common ground with blacks who were both now emancipated to some degree and running for legislators and being elected to local offices in places like where you live in North Carolina and saw that it was a more equitable setup, a more equitable economic system than what had existed before where you had a small number of elite white landowners prospering tremendously, but most whites not really in on that. Um, struggling along, not as bad as what black slaves or black people in general were. But anyway, the long roundabout point is it's a terrible uh, state of affairs. I don't really have any great insights as to why it is except for what I've said. I will also say that it does have the potential to change. And I think a lot of that depends on how well people such as myself do the work that we need to do among whites to build some kind of multiracial unity to, you know, struggle with our neighbors here to point out that, you know, no, you don't benefit if some white cop murders some black person for basically no reason whatsoever than the color of their skin. And no, you know, you don't have any benefit to gain from, um, I don't know, keeping a union out of a workplace that would benefit you as well as black people who work alongside of you. Uh, So I think the different periods when it's been better have been when progressive organizing forces have been stronger. I think we have seen some moves in the right direction with the uh, tremendous work that was done last spring and last summer, followed up by the work that we've talked about with getting out the vote, you know, historic levels. No no presidential candidate in American history ever got anywhere near the number of votes that Biden got in November. So there was definitely some tremendous energy led primarily, again, by black people at work that made that happen. But um, the last thing that we need to do is relax our efforts now that Trump is out, both because the far-right forces are still quite strong and have the potential to get stronger, but also because Biden himself, while I will say that I'm pleasantly surprised by what he has done thus far and what the people in his administration have done so far, he does come out of a kind of reactionary right-wing Democrat Party tradition um, and was one of the main architects we know of building the prison industrial complex to what it is now and on and on and on. Um, So we have to continue to support what positive things are coming out of, you know, the congressional majority in the legislature and in the White House, the things that they put forward, if they're good, But we also need to just keep doing the work that we've been doing, building the organizations that we have to build, getting out in the streets when it's necessary. And we certainly can anticipate that there will be times when, probably soon, when Biden tries to do things that are pretty bad or that we oppose. And 
keep the heat on him as well. Talking with uh, Andy Piasic, of course, here on the Bass News Radio Show on the Bass News Radio Network, and our sister station WCOM in Chapel Hill and uh, Carborough, North Carolina. A, a, a few things here, Andy. I, I agree with you. I'm pleasantly surprised. Um, quite frankly, um, Joe Biden wasn't my first choice. Um, and you, you're right. This is no time to to relax and. People in the street, you know, the wicked witch is gone, is dead, or whatever, and and 45. But that doesn't mean the work is over, and that doesn't mean the work is going to get done. Politicians make promises all the time. Um, We have to make sure we hold him accountable. Um, I was going to say, you know, just like in, in your article about Roosevelt, you know, you had these rich and powerful um, white men, right, um, not only wanting to plot but getting their ideas from fascist leaders, Mussolini and Hitler and, and all of these people, and, 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 call, and, and making the word socialist a bad word, which you and I already talked about. I don't, I, if, if, if socialist means helping poor people, you know, labor unions, making sure people have equal rights for equal pay and equal time and, and good pays to take care of their family, if that's socialism, then I'm a socialist. So th- th- it is what it is. But the point is, is that, um, you know, it, you had that fascist mentality that wanted to take over and, as you say, overthrow the government of a great president, in my opinion, historically. And it's the same thing now. And so how deadly would it have been if this plot had gone through? Would we have seen something along the lines of these clowns, these races going up there in honor of their, their, their Mussolini? Uh, to take back their their country. Yeah, it's a daunting question how it might have gone differently. I think um, the key point that you make is that while some had sort of a clear understanding of what fascism meant come 1933, I guess you could say the worst crimes and the worst uh, what we've really come to see as being genocidal and just maniacal violence against anybody who stands or has a different opinion even was perhaps not that clear to the to you know the majority of people either in the United States or around the world whatever inklings they may have had about how bad it might be um so it was still feasible you know that these business leaders uh, at the very top of the economy four plus years or whatever it was after the crash of the stock market were highly concerned about disorder, about unemployment uh, demonstrations in the streets. They were concerned about how bad it looked to have these Hoovervilles that we talked about last time, which were basically massive homeless encampments in places like Central Park and open squares in all major cities practically in the United States. Um, which we still have in some ways, but, you know, they've kind of come up with ways to keep people out of sight to some extent. Um, they're not 
encampments per se for the most part. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it, I think you're right that <clears throat> the response of the Roosevelt administration in the form of the New Deal brought about much needed and long lasting uh, changes that benefited millions of people. A lot of that was the direct result of demands from rank and file and the grassroots. And in some cases, what Roosevelt did did not go nearly as far as what others were calling for. And of course, once you got to a point where <clears throat> reactionary forces became strong enough, uh, particularly in the 1970s and especially as we got into the 1980s, a lot of what the New Deal accomplished was turned back, and we are now facing the devastating consequences of that with the hope that maybe with um, the rise of more progressive legislatures such as the squad and uh, other people who have recently been elected to Congress at least and some at the local level, some new kind of new deals. You know, there's already talk about a green new deal where we can transfer some of the um, empty factories that used to produce, you know, things that maybe now we don't need so much, but instead uh, electronic cars or, you know, all done kind of with a attention both to putting good jobs back in there for working class people, but also with much more attention to it has to be environmentally sustainable. But, yeah, I mean, it's it, there's really no way to know how bad it might have been if this coup had succeeded. It's, um, you know, it's kind of a scary thing to think about. Uh, just the last thing that I will say is that, you know, it's been said for many years that <clears throat> if a fascist-like movement grows up in the United States along the lines of what we've seen culminating with this event on January 6th. It's not going to come with swastikas and people goop stepping down Constitution Avenue or, you know, a funny guy with a funny looking mustache leading the way. It's going to come wrapped in the American flag. People are going to talk about American values or making America great again or you know, we want to go back to the way things used to be when this country was great. That's what it's going to look like. And, and I mean, Andy, sure and Andy yeah. not only, and, and I mean, I'm sorry, not only that, the 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 more scary part of this is you already have those people in Congress. Yeah. So if we're going to allow these people to get elected, first of all, they speaks to their constituents back home. That elect that, that they feel like that they they can bring these QAnons and all these different people in there, it's going to happen in in our in our leader in our congressional leadership. That's the scary thing. If you're going to allow these people in, you know, uh, uh, just kind of uh, two and three here, you know, it's. I mean, David Dukes said privately, I, re, I can't remember where I read it. He said, listen, w what are you doing? We can't do this robe thing and burning cross. Wear a suit. Get in the mix of the, of, of the, the people, you know. You know, right. you can lead yeah. double lives. You can be yeah, a that's, hate that's... monger um, and, and wear a suit and, and being, being a congressman or mayor or even a governor, and, and at this case, a president. 
that's the scary thing politically. You know, in terms of the the policy, that's where it could come. Well, and that's one more reason why I think as uh, maybe though it wasn't as done as well as it should have been done, the impeachment trial was important because it put some of this, you know, footage and testimony and stuff really on the record. And they showed stuff that they hadn't shown before to really underscore violent and determined these folks were and how much of it was coming from the top. I only hope that, um, you know, I don't always have that much faith in the Democrats doing the right thing, but just for their own sake. You're right about that. Well, just for their own sake, they need to start playing the same kind of cutthroat ways that the Republicans do. Look, you have a majority with the vice president as the tiebreaker. So you need to push through everything that you believe needs to go through. Forget about this bipartisan stuff. They're not interested in that. Yeah, it's all just talk. And what I would hope that they would do, which I don't really see enough momentum for, is having some hearings and putting these folks on trial, at least within some kind of congressional setting. You know, this guy from Missouri, Hawley, I think his name is, this woman from Georgia. Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm saying. The instigators, you know, um, and the apologists, and even all the people who, just hours after these people stormed the Capitol building, still voted to not uphold the uh, results of the election. All those people need to be called out in a much more formal, much more rigorous way for both what they stand for, but also for how they are lining themselves up with, you know, these uh, folks who basically seem determined to do exactly what they tried to do in 1934, which was to take over the government by force without any, you know, care whatsoever for voting or any of that other stuff. Basically, their attitude was... Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, going back to your auto... Go ahead. Now, basically, their attitude was, look, we, and it seems, look, because we all know that this stuff about voter fraud is a complete lie. If anything, the massive voter suppression that we've seen for however many years you want to go back and which has intensified year by year up until the point where it's probably worse in the last few years than it's ever been has basically disenfranchised hundreds of thousands of people, mostly in key states, swing states, as they're called. And uh, we know for sure that they're going to be doubling down on that now, that they actually lost the presidential vote in Georgia and are in danger of maybe losing it other places. So every time that we push forward, we know and can expect that they're going to push back and that we have to get stronger. We have to use all different channels that we have both in terms of washington but primarily i think on a local level and when we see and i think that this happened to some extent in uh last fall and leading up to the election you know understand the importance that if you can give money to what's going on in georgia or if people can actually go down there and volunteer their time i mean i know because i participated to some extent they were even having people call from around the country to register Democrats in Georgia to 
urge them and really underscore to them the importance of getting out the vote. So, yeah, I mean, we can go on and on. I mean, it's just um, there are a lot of parallels to what happened is happening and still continues to happen today and what happened then. Uh, Ultimately, the business plot, you know, didn't succeed. I think what you had that maybe made that possible was you had enough of the biggest business and bank bankers and other people in real economic power who saw that it was important given the ravages of the depression that the new deal was uh, important to support, even though increasing income taxes on the richest of the rich might give them a little bit of a hit in their pocket, but in the short term, the more important thing for the more kind of advanced thinking business owners was we have to make sure that the rabble doesn't get more organized and get stronger. Um, and, you know, to some extent, I mean, the, the story is more complicated than that, but to some extent, you know, Roosevelt understood that better than most. And then others came to see it the same way that he did. And the result was improved conditions for millions of people. Um, and that kind of nipped in bud, and nipped in the bud this whole idea of, you know, um, putting a fascist dictator in place and kind of going more the route that Italy and Germany had gone. But there's no, certainly no guarantee. I don't really see, you know, certainly there was a lot of business support for Biden and the business opposition in general to Trump and what Trump was doing. But that's always a, a very tenuous thing. I mean. If these folks see that stalling some kind of a dictator or whether you want to call it fascist or whatever you want to call it, regime in Washington will be of the best benefit to them, then they certainly won't hesitate to go along with it. Um, So, yeah, I mean, we're right. We've we've accomplished something important by getting Trump out. But, you know, in some ways, our work has really just begun and. Anybody who thinks that slacking off now, you know, is okay because uh, at least we have somebody a little more friendly to what we believe in in the in the White House. Uh, that I think, to me, is a tremendously dangerous uh, opinion to have. I do, I just want to read part of your article real quick because it goes to your point about big business and and you know putting pressure in this day and age on on big business on this uh um what do they call it a cancellation or whatever they call it now um has been a part of um some successes in terms of what we're trying to do you said uh this is talk you you're talking about um these big businesses and people on board you said besides mcguire who was the the, the guy, the uh, leader in the American Legion in Connecticut, um, that Butler, who he met, the uh, the, the former colonel, I mean major, um, general, I'm sorry, Butler, met with Robert Clark. He's an heir to the Singer uh, Sewing Machine Company. Clark confirmed McGuire's proposal and named other plotters who would soon form this Liberty League. Executives from the DuPont Corporation we mentioned, including Irene DuPont, associates from J.P. Morgan, uh, folks, Pad Nation that's listening. J.P. Morgan is still big and bad, 
right now. They were in it, including one-time Democrat vice president candidate John Davis, Thomas Lamont, great-grandfather of the current governorship of Connecticut, the current governor of Connecticut. He's the great-grandfather, Al Smith, uh, from the Democratic Folks, it's not a Democratic-Republican thing when it comes to this stuff. Presidential candidate in 1928 who ran Davis. Uh, Grayson Murphy, McGuire's boss and director at Goodyear Tire. You're still getting your tires nowadays. Anaconda Copper and Bethlehem Steel. Other business and military figures, diplomats, and guess what? Politicians. Weapons and ammunition would be supplied by the Bridgeport base, Bridgeport and Connecticut folks, uh, base DuPont owned Remington Arms. It's an arm that they made guns and and, and ammunition. So again, uh, uh, Andy, final point. I just named off some people. I mentioned, you know, the Bushes. That that tree were involved, and so many others. They just they not only had the power, they had the banks, and they had the ammunition. And if you look. Don't think, folks, that Facebook or some big corporation secretly is funneling because the guy, 45, still getting money. They're still sending him money. They're still sending him money. And that 70 million-plus people that voted for him, they 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 waiting. They're waiting for their marching orders. So I, that's why I thought your, your article is so profound, Andy, and 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 uh, just need just uh, Nicodemus type, just a futuristic type thing from that time, based on the the research you did on his article to 2021. Um, it, it there's no denying that these things may change and and go away for a while, but they're still there even under the surface, whether it's 1930s or 2021. And I'll just say that in contrast to a lot of the ugliness that we've been talking about, we should just also embrace and learn about and try to put in motion the multiracial unity that I talked a little bit about that has really created the best things that exist in America. Reconstruction, you know, if only that had succeeded, if only, you know, we can go into a whole riff about that as well. That was kind of a high point of American democracy up until whenever, later in the 20th century, when you get to the Voting Rights Act. The multiracial unions that were built in meatpacking plants in Chicago and other places around here where I live and everywhere, the Deep South as well. A great scholar has written, um, oh boy, his name just went out of my head, about... uh, labor organizing in Alabama in the 1930s and about how all the tremendous difficulties that they faced there, black primarily, but also whites who could be lynched or terrorized or driven out of the strait or whatever because uh, the power establishment didn't like what they were doing. So I think I, I've i said this before on your show, I guess being a white person and being kind of um, – alarmed by the attitudes and the views that I see, not just view, but actions now, too. We now have all these instances, with January 6th maybe being the worst, of what people are capable of. I mean, it behooves, you know, whether you're a socialist or a progressive or a radical or just someone who cares enough, I think it's essential that 
white people really kind of dig in and counteract the ugliness and the hatred with some alternative ideas showing it in practice about how look folks you have more in stake with the people who live alongside of you with the same income as you do than you do with Donald Trump or any or any of these other wealthy people who are really the ones who benefit from all this chaos so everybody who can should you know participate in some kind of organization start a new one if it doesn't exist um if you're white, you need to respect the fact that maybe some of those organizations will be all black and that you relate to it as a sort of an ally. For, but ultimately, what we really need is some kind of a multiracial movement, national in scope, but made up of small local components that will begin to really turn this kind of thing around in the other direction. You you said so much. I wish we had more time. And just real quick, uh, to talk about Reconstruction. Blacks po- folks were Republicans, okay? They were Republicans and thriving. They were part of the Republican Party. They loved Abe Lincoln. Abe Lincoln was a Republican. So we can't. We gotta be able to decipher. And what Andy's saying is this multicultural thing. Is that I mean, you it it. I don't understand poor whites. Donald Trump is not one of you. He's never sweat anything. Maybe a cheeseburger or something, but he's never sweat no money. So I don't get why if anybody that has the same income as I, that may be white, would vote for him. He's not one of you. And black shame on you. So I, I just, and I had to, I'll leave it at that part, but uh, it's, you're right. It's, you know, at the Rich people want to keep their money. They don't want no fair and balanced and equal pay. They want to keep their money. Oh my God! I made we made ten percent uh, uh, increase in um, in in a uh, what do you call it? In uh, um, profit. Profit. Right in profits, and then last year, oh, we only made eight percent. Wow! You lost two percent. Wow! Meanwhile, people going to going to shelters to eat because they can pay their bills, but they don't have no money for food. Or they got to choose between paying their bills or getting their medicines. But you lost 2% of your profit. White white folks, black folks, anybody that got money, they don't want to lose their money. It's, it's, it's greed. Um, and people need to wake up to that stuff, uh, really. I mean, stop with the, 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 stop with the foolishness and, and use common sense. Someone that, that lives in your neighborhood, it may be a low-income neighborhood, why would you be against that person when it comes to trying to uplift yourself? They ain't the same folk you are. Otherwise, it wouldn't be in the same neighborhood. So, I mean, people need to use common sense, too, Annie. It's just the propaganda. But it, it, some people say you're weak and you might fall for anything. and I don't know. But um, we've got a long well, way to go. Pro- but I do, I do feel your optimism, too, though. Well, it's a mix of optimism and pessimism, you know, recognizing that we are in a very serious, uh, potentially terrible situation, but drawing on the fact that, you know, there is some good stuff going on as well. But I will also say that what you said earlier is important to remember, too. The people who are really driving this white supremacist, semi-fascist, whatever you want to call it, 
phenomenon. Both are the super wealthy, but also more kind of professional types who are doing better than most of the rest of us. Workers and poor whites are coming along to some degree. And that's, I think, partly because the propaganda that they see in the bubble that they live in is so intense. But it also, and I'll go back to this one more time, we need to be out there trying to organize those folks as well. How successful right. it would be, who knows. But um, all those things that you mentioned when you were talking about socialism that make for a better life, and it's a, whatever you call it, you don't have to call it socialism. Better income, right. better living standards, better health care, all that stuff. That's the message that we can bring to folks. Um, and I don't think we have any choice because otherwise, you know, this uh, ugly phenomenon is just going to keep getting bigger and stronger. Andy, where can people find this article and others, sir, before you go? There's a whole host of my articles at ConnecticutHistory.org. I also write for other uh, kind of radical publications like counterpunch.org. You can find my work there, but also I think people should just lock into that and check it out. You know, you don't necessarily have time to check it out every day, but some of these websites provide a great deal of analysis along the lines of what we've been talking about today. So that would be one that I would certainly recommend in addition to the Connecticut History site. Well, the, the the one these call radical, I, again, you and I kind of have the same views. So I wouldn't call it radical, but I'm sure people call it. In our conversation, they call me militant. And yeah. don't look up the word militant. I mean, you know, anyway, it is what it is. Andy, I appreciate you, man. You be safe, be well. I will talk with you very soon. Great article. Thank you so much for coming back on. Thanks so much for that. And uh, you be well, too, L.A. Thank you. Andy Piasek is a longtime activist and award-winning author whose most recent book is the novel uh, In Motion. Uh, the article is called The Connecticut Man Who Led a Plot to Overthrow um, Franklin Roosevelt. We've seen the overthrow in, in modern times in January 6th. Now we got another date that you can remember. Where were you when 9-11 happened? Where were you when... Um, people took back their country and it's so ironic and so hypocritical, probably a better word, that minorities and people who come to this country try to be law-abiding and follow the Constitution, but then you get these white supremacists that think that they own the Constitution. Um, I saw someone the other day talking about um, impeaching the president is a waste of taxpayers' money. So what the hell did all those people go up to the, the Capitol and not only destroy your 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 uh, your Congress, your buildings, right? Built by slaves, by the way. Um, but that that's not a waste of taxpayers' money. And people died, by the way. And in the summer of last year, remember, life, uh, Black Lives Matter went up there peacefully protesting and it was Capitol Police all over the place ready to bang heads when they went. But these dudes go up there and they taking back their country. Taking back their country that they don't even own and weren't even here from their ancestors. I, I have white people to email me and say, you know, I didn't own slaves. What are you mad at? 
uh, well, I didn't own slaves either. Ne- uh, neither did I start anything with you. So what's your point? Point is, it needs to be some equality. Black folks and other minorities are not trying to take uh, over and want the pie. We just want to be able to at the table to get some of the pie. How about that? Can we get to the table at least? Nobody's trying to take things over. But it's, it's, it's corporate greed and it's greed in itself and it's hate. Just it's envy. Just envy, which I, I, I'm not even going to get into that part as it relates to race. But um, thank you, Andy Piasek, uh, in my home state of uh, Connecticut. He's in Bridgeport. I'm from New Haven. We're nutmeg people and um, appreciate him coming on. Six four six nine two nine zero one three zero. The number to get in touch with us. It is the Bachelor News Radio Show on the Bachelor News Radio. Janelle Strickland, host of the Life Cafe Radio Broadcast from Maximizing Life Family Worship Center. I invite you to tune in every Saturday from 5 to 6 p.m. Tune in, maximize your life with the Word of God, and be blessed. Only on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Join Barry Barnes for Locker Talk on the Bachelor Pad Network as he presents NFL news and evaluates players Fridays at 9 a.m. Eastern at blogtalkradio.com. Got a new song on the radio, and I'm very proud of it. It's called I'd Rather Have Love. And we're going to do a little bit of this for you. Hopefully y'all can enjoy it as much as we did performing it. So, Cap, are you ready? How about you, Walt? My man, Leighton, you good? That's my man Steve over here. He's my engineer. All the music y'all been hearing me record, this guy's been behind the boards executing it, you know. Young boy, too. About, what are you, 25? 24? Oh, shit, 24. <laughs> They're getting younger, you, you, you know. Well, let's rock that real quick, player. Take it like we in church. Oh, I was cool in them streets. Yeah, I was cool in them clubs. 
Real talk I wasn't thinking nothing about love I didn't want nobody Trying to partake in my stuff I thought an occasional one night stand would be enough I met this girl, she ruined my philosophy My heart skips a beat when she comes around I never thought that I'd be ready to settle down See, I was about to find myself alone But I found myself in love I'm ready for a love of my own Even though I want to I just see us together And I never have a love And I've been like for long Yeah, yeah, yeah I was raised by a good one Told me what a real man should be She said, son, pick one And treat her like me Hey! I took all of her wisdom And I used it for selfish gain And I know if she saw this pimping She'd be shame I found this girl She ruined my philosophy My heart skips a beat when she comes around I never thought that I'd be ready to settle down I was about to find myself alone But I found myself alone I know God bless, God bless, God bless. Thank you so much once again. Thanks to the living room, wonderful establishment. We'll do this again. We'll do this again soon.
Welcome back to the show. I'm going to go to Joe Hoover. Uh, Joe Hoover is a best-selling author and uh, uh, certainly uh, does a, a phenomenal job. His My Hero series, and we're going to talk about that. But uh, who I wanted to touch base with you and ask you, in this COVID-19, there's two things going on. We'll start with the education side. As you're a professor, you're an author uh, of those series. You talk about um, not only bullying and mentoring, but education. I mean, being able to spell, being able able to write a check i mean even if you don't write checks to learn how to to write signature things of that nature the basic things you know kids don't even know their home keys remember when we were kids we had the type uh-huh. we knew the home key and all that but right now uh-huh. in this this COVID 19 and we're short on time so i want you to really get into it what are the pluses and minuses on online schooling I, in the beginning my kids were like you know what yeah this is cool we get to do it but now they're getting bored and they want to be around their friends so socially is different but from an education Education learning standpoint, especially with black and brown uh, kids who are uh, not only uh, disadvantaged in some cases in neighborhoods, the books and all of those things. What's the pluses and minuses of learning online? Well, I'm going to go with more of the, well, I, it ain't that many pluses to me. Uh, um, I think it's more of the pluses that there's something happening as opposed to just being shut down and there's nothing happening at all. So at least there's something tangible that's being used. You know what I mean? Um, can it work? Yeah, I mean, it can. But I, but like you just mentioned, that social, uh, if it, the, the social part of it is part of the the the, the, uh, the dynamic of being able to know how to get along with, with your teammates. Uh, um, uh, I call them teammates, with classmates, uh, knowing how to function, as opposed to everything being robotic, pressing a button, and and that's the one thing I fear. LA is that with my with my book, I have a curriculum, and my curriculum is a full charge curriculum where there's a lot of writing involved. And that's by design because, you know, studies show that your memory is enhanced by writing things down. Also, you use a certain part of the brain when you're writing as opposed to just touching a button. A button. You use a certain part of the brain when you're reading as opposed to just things being sent to you digitally. And I think that's the where, that's where that's, we're going to have a problem. Uh, again, the plus is that we're doing something, you know, so it's better nothing, but uh, the the minuses are a lot. It's it's a, and like you said, the, the, your 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 young men are getting bored. Um, it, it's a lot. And, and then what happens is the kids are so inundated with these video games. You know, everything is digitized. You know what I mean? So they can be playing Fortnite for four or five hours. Now all of a sudden you're slowing the pace. Now you're trying to tell them to teach. Now you're trying to tell them to learn that way. It's a lot. So so they have to reprogram themselves on even how to learn. As opposed to being away from the computer, you know, instead of being away from the computer and being instructed by a teacher or some sort in the front, in front of them, where she's able to, she, he or she's able to do things live, you know, and in person, so to speak, and sort of uh, have the um, option of learning things on the fly as well, doing things on the fly. You really can't do things too much like that when you're online. You have to, you know, you have to kind of robot yourself a little bit as well. So, but again, pluses is that they're doing something, minuses are a lot. And, and what I fear is that our children won't get the benefit of really being promoted in a proper manner, meaning earning the promotion. Because right now, you really can't fail a kid. I mean, you can't. I mean, how can you? You know, I mean, how do you fail a kid that 
that uh, parents may be suffering from COVID, and you know what I mean. They and, and, themselves might have had it. And who? That's that's a really a great point because uh, if you have a marginal kid, a kid that's been struggling, um, it, it, it's probably not doing a great service for that child if you pass them because of the situation and the climate we are in. And even before mm-hmm. this, speak to because I think we had this conversation before about uh, using. You know, I, I'm, I have a real issue with kids using calculators for math. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and not mm-hmm. counting, not writing things out. Like you said, I tell my kids all the time, write it mm-hmm. down, take notes. I, they can go into my studio, my, my, my office, and see nothing but notes. And I try to tell them, not only mm-hmm. take good notes, but make sure you have organized notes. So when you come back to it, mm-hmm. you know what it is. You put your name, date, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and some, mm-hmm. I, I see some of the kids that don't do that, but I get, I have a real issue when they use sort of these electronic things or things mm-hmm. that take away from counting and reading and all of these things, mm-hmm. audio and, and things mm-hmm. of that nature. Mm-hmm. Well, well I, I, I'm be honest with you. I'm gonna give you an analogy because I, I know you'll, you'll catch it. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you a saying. I'm gonna give you an analogy. You know that that was saying, if you don't use it, you lose it, right? So we so we understand that part. But now, picture a person. That's a couch potato, straight up couch potato, remote in his hand, and beer in the other hand, eating chips, doing this for years, watching TV, you know, shape got different, what have you. Then you say, okay, I want you to get in shape, the best shape of your life within three weeks. But tonight we're going to start off with you running five miles. That person wouldn't. That person wouldn't walk good four blocks. I mean, five blocks really good. Without him, like, oh my gosh, I'm tired. And that's the same thing that's happening with our babies' brains because they're not using that part of the brain. Like you just mentioned, the press, all you're doing is pressing the button. You're not trying to figure things out in your head. You know what I mean? So you're not you're not exercising that part of the brain. And we know the brain is an organ, but it acts as a muscle. You might as well call it a muscle because it acts just like a muscle. But if you don't use certain things to critically think, um, conceptualize things, figure things out in your head, ponder over stuff, if you don't use that kind of that part of the brain, when it's time to use it, you, you please. I mean, think of how many people. I guarantee you, at your audience, if you ask them, if you have read a book, enough, if you have, if you ask them if they have read a book or a long article in a long time, and they if they're gonna do it before they go to sleep, and say read the article, I guarantee you they fall asleep before they do it. Because that brain ain't ain't being used, so now you're gonna tell me read all this, <laughs> you know what right. I mean? At, within a certain period of time, that brain is over, it's, it's, it gets overloaded, and then all of a sudden it starts to shut down because you have to build it, you have to build it back up. And so this is what's happening in LA with too many with too many of our children because they're so used to pressing buttons, pressing buttons, pressing buttons from video games to learning that when you tell them to do certain things, either they can't do it, they don't want to do it, or they don't know how to do it. So guess what? It's not done. And my fear, I mean, I'm saying as I'm saying as a my, my my son is 29 years old, so I'm not, I'm I'm not a concerned parent for him, but I'm concerned parent for others. Because as an educator, every child that comes into your classroom or any class, any 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 of me when I go to schools, those children become my children, and I say it openly. I'm like for for the for the time being, I'm here. You belong to me, That's right. and I treat them as they're my children. And so my fear is that. Because they took penmanship out of schools, you know, so these kids don't know how to write cursively, nor can they read it. 
So, so I, I use the word script. They, not not only can they not read the script, they can't. I mean, they can't write it, so they can't read it. So now you tell the eighteen year old, nineteen year old, go register to do this, sign this application, go do this, and they say sign your name. He's writing in print. He's she writing in print. And to be or not, the way they write, they're not even writing online. I mean, in other words, you, you tell the kid to write in print on the line. They're writing in between the line. I mean, they're, writing, I mean, they, they're putting their name, like, uh, they've got it across the line because they don't have a concept of writing, bro. That is, like, scary. Yeah. And that's happening worse for our black and brown babies than it is for other other children because other children, they, they, the ones that have the means to it, they're being taught how to write and script. Sure. So now, so education system, it seems, they seem to have put that on the parents, which is not fair. Not, no, 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 when I say fair... Because that's a basic requirement, writing. You know what I mean? That, that, should, that should be something that should be uh, uh, cataloged in schools to, or, or, and, and, and should be progressed in school. Because L.A., that's how we learn. You know what I mean? Our time tables, we did that in school. Right. Our, our writing, our penmanship, you know, writing between the lines, our tracing. Of le- you know what I mean? We did that We did that in school because although, it was part of our curriculum. Although I write like a doctor without the money, but, I mean, sign like and, and a doctor. No, <laughs> hey, 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 me too. And, and here's the funny thing. Me too, and I'm ambidextrous with it. I can write with both hands, left hand, right hand. I can do both, and I can write equally sloppy. So we're in the same boat. Yeah. I get that. But at the end of the day, my friend, we can read that. We, and we can read some lots of sloppy, and we can read some lots of sloppy handwriting too because right. we, we're accustomed to doing it. Right. You know what I mean? So, so, but, but again, our babies aren't getting that privilege, and with, and with that, they're gonna lose so much in this fake, illusion-filled digital-based world right. because it's, it's really an illusion. Yeah. It's an illusion, bro. It's yeah. an illusion. Talking these, with these the, smartphones have made, made us dumb. Talking with uh, Gerald Hoover, best-selling author of My Friend, My Hero, a book targeting young black and brown boys ages 12 up and up here on the Bachelor News Radio Show, Bachelor News Radio Network and WCOM, Chapel Hill and Carborough, uh, uh North Carolina, and we'll get to the, the book series and info there. Um, really sort of the final uh, phase, and I know you said there's the positives because they're doing something, but again, um, the concern I have is that even before the virus, even before they had to go online, and some are going back to school in certain places, and I mean, you can get into if it's safe or not, that's a whole different discussion for another day, Um but the fact is that, you know, it, kids, even before the virus, and I, and I have to, again, I challenge mine all the time, um, it, it, They work is not, it, I wouldn't say it was necessarily fun for us, but, mm-hmm. you know, we knew we had to do that, and we knew at the end of the day it was going to make us better. Even sometimes we mm-hmm. didn't feel like going to school. I tried to play hooky, my mother found out all the time, but I had to do what I had mm-hmm. to do. And it didn't seem mm-hmm. as forced on us as it is with kids. Kids are like, okay, if you, you do this, you can play this, or you can go outside. And they push and they zoom in through it. But at the same time, you want to tell them, no, take your time. Because a lot of teachers say, take your time, read the, read the questions, you know, when you're taking a test. And it seems like the ki- these kids, our kids, are trying to zoom through a lot of the, the work, and they don't seem to get it. It's more robotic than... Mm-hmm. Consumption and understanding and comprehending it. You 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 buy mm-hmm. that? Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and that, that's the fear. And, and, and matter of fact, you said it eloquently, but you basically repeated what I was saying and what I said. It. When these when our babies get a certain age, 
they're not going to be able to function other than doing what they've known. It's almost like putting a, you know, you know, they put the uh, blinds on horses, run that straight, run a straight line. They won't know how to do anything else. But oh, it's not, it's not set in stone this way. They won't be able to do it. And that's where too many of our child, children are going to fail. That's where they're going to fail because they won't have options on how to do things any other way. And that's going that, and that's a criminal act, if you ask me. It's a criminal act. It's written because, when I, and, and that's why I said fake, illusional, filled world, because you'll say, oh, no, he got a so-and-so on his test. But, yeah, he was pressing a button that you helped him press because you're trying to get that funding because the state mandated so-and-so and so-and-so, which the state has no, they have no clue what's going on on the ground. They're a bunch of bean counters and doing whatever they're doing. They have no clue or concept of what is done on the educational level, none. Because if they did, or if their children was in the belly of the beast, they wouldn't have that kind of they wouldn't have that kind of outlook. And, me, and, and, just to, been, and just to interrupt too, if they if our kids aren't learning, again, post uh, pre and post COVID nineteen, they're ready to uh-huh. put them ready to put them on meds, you know, Ritalin and whatever, oh it, whatever. Man, um, and, 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 and bro, in LA, I was I believe it or not pre COVID. As a matter of fact, you we've had discussion about my book before COVID. Pre COVID, well, I started my curriculum two years ago. I mean, like getting it in stone. So I, I so I'm, I'm well ahead of the COVID part. I was yelling and screaming about in 25 years if we're not careful that we're gonna have an educational apocalypse. I was saying this for about two years now. Now it's probably gonna be closer than that. Because we're going to lose two and a half years. Okay, this way. For every child I was already behind, tack on two more years. They don't go. They're not going to fail a kid. They're going to promote them socially. But think about the average 10th grader that's ready for college, getting ready for college in two years. They're going to be functioning on a sixth grade reading level or sixth grade, grade, sixth grade work level. So, so that so, means when they graduate high school, and graduate to go to college. They're gonna. They're gonna. It's gonna be a, very, a real challenge. So real, real quick, because we're running out of time. Um, what would be some of the solutions you have? You know, right now with COVID and, and moving forward. And please do uh, let people know how they can get my friend, my hero. Talk about the book and, and where they can find it. Sure. Well, I, I'll, I'll do that first because it's fresh in my head. Uh, my, my website is called The Hero Book Series. TheHeroBookSeries.com. For those that are educators or they want to uh, do some homeschool and help help them enhance, you can order my book, and I will even let you know how to get the curriculum to go with it. Now, the curriculum uh, it has a study a study guide which you have to write, read, uh, do some uh, uh, research to learn how to words, how to put words together, context clues. I mean, it was the same thing would happen in the school. Also, have a teacher's edition. The way you have to answer. So for you parents that have young children, okay, Johnny, do this, do this, do this. You as a parent, whether you've been to school lately or not, it's okay. You have the teacher's guide. You have the answers to the sentences. You have answers to the multiple choice stuff. You have the you have all the answers. I even have a pretest. So you can say here, Johnny, take this and let me see how you can do with that. Then I have what's called a unit assessment, and I have answers for that as well. So you have a Student success guide. You have a teacher's edition, and you have a unit assessment. So you have all those, and you're good. What I would suggest: put a physical book in your child's hand. E-learning is fine. I my book is on tape now. It's coming out, but not about a month. I, I even have e-books, which okay, I, I'm not really for them, but I know people. I don't want to read it like that. 
that's fine. But put a physical book in your hand. The five senses that we're blessed with are given to us for a reason. Putting a physical book in your hand speaks volumes to the mental soul, mind, and body. There's a lot of – and go on YouTube and research touch on how the effects are of touching a book. Google that. Touch it, touching a book. Wow. How you start that your knowledge starts to your your knowledge starts LA with just touching the book. It's powerful. I I, I just saw that I just saw something like that the other day. And it's funny because I've been thinking about it. Because you know, you know, I give you an example. Let me let me say something really quick. I'll let you show on time. In the in the in the Bible, I'm, I'm sorry. In, in church, people have told me. I remember, I remember old ministers were telling me. I would say, well, Elder so and so, what do I learn? What do I read in the Bible? What should, what should I do? They, they, you know, they would tell me, say a prayer, put your hand on top of the Bible, and just open it. Meaning, I heard meaning that before. You'll find it. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying, Ella, Ella, You know where I'm going. You know where I'm going. You know where going there was something powerful about putting your mind right with it coming becoming one with the story that you're about to read and then opening the book deep with that. that's deep and, and so we keep giving these books these, 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 these digital books and everything you ain't helping these kids put a book in your hand put a physical book the five senses are, are given to us for a reason that's if right. you dummy us out with that we ain't gonna have them buddy we're gonna be ro- people are gonna be robots that's right it's not gonna work for us yeah it's not, and, not gonna work for us bro and the learning is is robotic at this point because of that come on man yeah you're right come you're on, absolutely man. Come right on, man. Well, we, we, we gonna, can't afford that, bro. We can't. We can't. And you talk about apocalypse. Oh my God! You, you, <sighs> you, on, being, you, you get your Negro Domus points because you have been talking about this for quite some time. So uh, I know that for a fact. Hoove, I love you, man. Appreciate you. Be safe. Uh, I'll talk too, with you very, very soon. We'll get you on next week and talk some yeah. more about this. Okay. My pleasure, my brother. Take Be care, safe, man. All right, man.
Welcome back to the show. Don't forget, if you missed any part of our broadcast, you can go to our website, uh, thebachelornews.airtime.pro, and listen to the show in its entirety at 8 a.m. and 3 p.m. Eastern Time uh, at that website every day at thebachelornews.airtime.pro. Speaking of that, my next guest uh, airs uh, his show on Saturdays there on the Bachelor News Radio Network. He is a senior pastor at Maximum Life Worship Center in Greensboro and the uh, host, of course, if you will, the, the Life Cafe broadcast airs, as I mentioned, every Saturday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the thebachelornews.airtime.pro. He is Pastor Omar Rojas. And, Pastor, it's uh, always a pleasure to have you on, sir. Absolutely. Always a pleasure to, to be to be on with you. Thank you so much. And I always have you on. You know, you always have great answers for some thought-provocative uh, uh, topics. And, you know, I wanted to have you on. We just finished this election, and, you know, even with that, people want to feel like they can breathe now. Uh, vaccine, vaccine, um, um, the vaccine are on the way, so they say. And, um, you know, people are trying to look for hope. There's still a lot of divide, as you know. We don't have to get into all the, the political stuff. But there's still stress, and there's still people who want to have some sense of normalcy, some stability. So with scriptures and what you would say um, just directly, what would be the thing that you would say in regards to what the word would say in terms of applying some faith and some instructions to your life to make people feel better and, and know that it's going to be better. Right. Uh, it, it is, uh, you know, facing a lot of challenging times and it would be nice if there was just one thing going on that we could kind of process but, uh, um, the way society and, and the way life is, is right now. It's, uh, it's a lot of things all at one time. Um, but, you know, you know, we all we all face a lot of things, you know, even, you know, beyond what's what's going on in our in our world today, we, we face a lot of challenges from, from day to day. And so, you know, for for those of us, you know, believers, you know, it's it's one of those as the scripture would say, to you know, to hold fast to our uh profession of faith, you know, and and another that says, you know, you know, in, in due season we'll we'll reap if we think not. And so challenging as as, as things are right now, we still do uh, have to look to God. We have to look to God in in, in, in these situations, and, and and again, hope fast, believing that that He will, you know, show up as He as He has in times past. And that's one of the things that I I do personally is 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 I reflect on different times that that He has uh, come through for me. You know, of course, while I was going through a specific something, uh, you know, I, I didn't necessarily see a way out. You know, but hindsight, I can see where you know He. Uh, showed up for me, and so you know, I personally take you know take the time to look back at those times and and remind myself that you know even though I may not see him the way I want to see him in you know in this situation, he's proven to show up before, and you know with his um, track record, if you will, it gives me personally the encouragement I need to to, to keep going because he's always shown up for me. He's just joining us. We're talking with uh, Pastor Omar Rojas uh, on the Bachelor News Radio Show on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Pastor, do you have you had to do much counseling, if you will, uh, many of your sermons uh, in the midst of this virus, uh, even you know leading up to it, uh, and with the chaos of the political uh, climate, the, the racial co- climate, have you ha- had to do more in that that area because of it? Uh, I wouldn't say I've had to do more, but I uh, at, with with those particular things in mind, but. Maybe as a 
as a result of, you know, it's just a common, a whole bunch of things, a culmination of things. There, there has seemed to be um, more, more conversations and, 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 you know, um, advice giving, if, if I can just use the proper terms uh, tonight. <laughs> you know, just some more uh, wisdom giving uh, at this particular moment because, uh, as, as we're talking, as we're talking about, you know, there, there seems to be a lot of things going on. And uh, again, I, I, I believe it's just because of all of these things all happening all at one time, you know, COVID-19 and, and, and what we've been living through this pandemic, we've been living through for, oh, I'm not sure how many months now, uh, roughly since February or March of yeah, this about, year. About nine months, um, I believe. About yeah, so months, it's, yeah. it's been some time. And, you know, people are going through some things, you know, the, the whole quarantine and, and, you know, essentially being isolated. And, and I think we talked about this before in the previous show. Uh, you know, some you know some people are being locked in places that they don't want to be in. You know, when, when we're talking about home, you know, in a home situation, um, and so you know the difficult difficulties that come from that uh, have have been very real. And so, yeah, we, we we've we've done a lot of I don't want to say counseling, but a lot of uh, advice giving as a result of a lot of things that have been going on in 2020. You know, the one thing I saw again, not to get too political or anything, but uh, yeah. when President-elect Biden was deemed the winner and at 270 electoral votes. Uh, mm-hmm. You saw masses of people all across the country and even, you know, other countries uh, as well, dancing in the streets and excited and, <laughs> and crying and relieved. Um, do they miss, though, even believers, do, do they miss at the end of the day that, with everything that was going on, and again, just you know, trying to not to, to be biblical is you know you're oh. the, the scholar, but did they miss that God is still God? Did they miss the point? Did, are they are you thinking they're getting that? I mean, because they sell you know the the wicked witch is dead. You know, if they're not right. a Trump supporter, so they're dancing in the streets and and doing all these things. Are, are do you feel like we're not getting the point? after all that's gone through and after all we're still going through? I, I do think that we have, um, just as, as, as believers in, in general, it, it, it almost seems, and, and, and you hit the nail on the head um, in asking the question, is that you know, I, I think we've lost sight of the fact that, that as believers that, that you know, we, sh- we should and ought to believe that God is in control. And I think we've, we've, we've lost sight of that as a whole, not everybody, but just you know, as a whole. And and, and and honestly speaking, um, there have been uh, some people that are close to me that 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 have it, it, I, I just have become really disappointed because of it seems as if we have more faith in the presidency than we do God, and um, it's it, it, it's it's been dis, dis, uh, disheartening and, and and disappointing last couple of weeks or a week or so, however long it's been, just seeing, you know, again, more faith in the presidency than, than, than in the, the God that we uh, say that we serve and the, and the God that we believe in and follow and have given our lives to. Yeah, I was, I was talking to someone that uh, had mentioned that and, and, and basically was, was saying that we should not lose our way, that uh, if right. we feel, again, if you're anti-Trump in this particular case or any, any position that your candidate won, you feel like, yes, your vote counted, but now is a new day from your behalf if you voted that way. 
but it's a higher power, it's a higher uh, position that allowed your candidate to win. And I don't think that uh, some people understand that. And it was um, an old friend of mine that was uh, pointing that out to me today. But your, your thoughts on that? Well, but that's, that's absolutely true. It's, you know, it's like the Bible says, God, you know, God puts up one and takes down another. Um, so, you know, who's in office, whether we like it or not, <laughs> you know, um, has, has been set there by God as believers, even if we don't agree with what, whatever the turnout is or was, or I don't even know the correct term to put it at this particular point. Um, uh, you know, our, our position has to always be a position of prayer, you know, regardless of whether we like the candidate or not, or whether we agree with, 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 you know, you know, their policies and so on and so forth. Our, our position has to be a position of prayer. Um, and, you know, uh, because, you know, as, as the Bible says, you know, the heart of the king is in the Lord's, is in the Lord's hands. Um, and so, and, and he can turn that heart. So, you know, you know, again, we have to really, really have a, a position or even a posture of prayer uh, for leaders, again, whether we like them or not. And that's the hard part um, because, and this is, this is going to be tough, but, you know, we, we oftentimes only pray for the people that we like, um, but that's not what prayer is about. And so, uh, again, we have to pray for our leadership, uh, whether we like them or not, uh, so that, you know, we can see God move on, you know, on our behalf, on the people's behalf. What do you think of, I was reading online for um, some, it was a Christian site, and there were some people that said, you know, uh, A, you know, God doesn't make accidents. There's no accident. Everything is right. But but B, that this COVID is, you know, lack of a better word, is, you know, something that God allowed to bring people together to, to uh, send a clear message. Is that what you understand um i i can i can understand that um but i i can also you know say that it, it could be the result of of poor decision making or or even based on how it's spread uh you know for some not all you know uh through touching things we're not supposed to be touching you know you know so and 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 look at the things that we have to do we you know we have to cover our mouths or we have to clean our hands wash our hands you know before during after you know we have to be a little bit more uh conscious of, of, of you know, the things that we're touching. So, you know, does God allow things? Absolutely. And is it to bring people closer together? Is, is, it, is it to, you know, I, I wish I could, you know, I had the answer for that. But, you know, as, as the Bible would say, the, uh, a curse causeless does not come. So there is a reason, a reasoning behind, you know, COVID-19. And I'm not trying to, you know, say it's something political or it's the government or I'm not saying any of that. Um, I'm just, you know, simply, you know, from the Bible standpoint, the cur- a curse causes does not come. So it could be re- the result of, of, of poor decision making years ago or whatever the case may be. Um, but, but it, it's not, as we would say, happenstance that COVID-19 is, is, is here. You know, what would you, final thoughts, what would you, uh, what scripture, um, would you, uh, refer people to? Uh, I know people at this point want stability. They want peace. Uh, they, they want um, hope. They want to know that it's all it's going to be okay. And and certainly we can go to the word to find that. But what would you um, put out there for people to kind of read and get some encouragement? Right now, I would. Um, and and it's a super, super familiar passage of scripture. 
um, um, that I'm, I'm actually going to probably read really quickly. Uh, sure. And it is, uh, and again, something we probably all heard at least twice in our life. This might be the second time for somebody. Uh, um, but and, and uh, Romans eight twenty eight, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, and to them who are called according to His purpose. Um, and 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 that's the scripture that gives us hope. Uh, I do want to I, I do want to add not to this scripture, but but add to the context of the scripture, uh, because uh, you know a lot of times, especially. You know, in the church or as believers, we say this, you know, often that, that, that you know, things work together. Um, the way we state, state it really is, is they, they work for my good, but that's not what the Scripture says. The Scripture says that things work together for good, right? Um, and so here's the thing, and I think I said this in a previous uh, broadcast or interview, um, and that's this, is that I have to make sure that my good and God's good look the same. And uh, because, again, the Scripture says, for good to them that love God. Not my good, but good. Uh, I, I say that because all these things, these, these experiences that we're having, these situations that we're facing, these dilemmas, these issues, and, you know, whatever word we want to use tonight, it's going to work for good. Um, and, and, and here's the beauty of, of it working for good, and that's this, is that this, this passage of Scripture talks about things working for good. These things work for good when we process them in prayer. So, so, so tonight, if I can encourage anybody um, in, in situations and things that we're going through, is that to always keep that commute that line of communication open with God. Always keep committing things to prayer. I know it doesn't seem like it's working. I know it doesn't seem like God is moving. But if we continue to process these things in prayer, even when they're not moving, even when things uh, are stagnated, uh, uh, not again, not moving, if we continue to process those things in prayer, continue to, to, to you know, share our hearts with God, you know, the, the, the parts we want to share and the things that we don't want to share with God, if we continue to process those things out in prayer, that's when Romans 8.28 is, is literally unlocked for us, where things start working together for good when we process these things in prayer. So I encourage you, uh, for those you know, who, 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 who would like to read the Bible, go back and actually read Romans 8 uh, in its entirety, and you'll see and be able to capture that Romans eight twenty eight comes after prayer. Um, so, you know, a lot of times we get mad with God because things may not be working for our good, but my question is, is have we really processed these things in prayer? Have we really committed these situations uh, and circumstances in prayer? So uh, I, I don't want to uh, go over my time. I, I know that I'm long-winded. No, but, 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 but please, by all means, Continue to process these things in prayer, and then we will see these things work together for our, for good. And it's funny too, uh, uh, Pastor, that someone had emailed me. You mentioned you know purpose, and uh, someone emailed Proverbs uh, nineteen twenty one. Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it's the purpose yeah. of the Lord that will stand. And um, someone also wrote uh, or sent in. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare yeah. and not for evil, to give you. A future and a hope, and that's Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. One of my 
actual favorites too. Uh, Pastor, uh, before you go, uh, please do let people know where they can find your church, your your church times, and all of that information, sir. Absolutely. Uh, we are, and I say this often, we are, are located in the great metropolis of Greensboro, North Carolina. Uh, but we are on 29, we are at, excuse me, 2902 East Market Street, again, in Greensboro, North Carolina. Uh, our service times, we have uh, our, what we call Life Cafe, uh, which is also our radio broadcast on Saturdays, right, uh, between 5 and 6, uh, uh, Saturday evenings, I'm sorry. Um, but we have our Life Cafe, which is our version of Bible study at 8.30 a.m. on Sundays. And then we go into prayer uh, in the service right at 9.15. Uh, and, of course, we do have Bible studies on Wednesdays at 7 o'clock p.m. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook. Uh, that's Maximizing Life Family Worship Center, home of the Max Life Church. That's the name. That's the uh, Facebook page. Uh, you can go there uh, and, and, and hit like, and, and you'll be able to uh, stream live with us there. Uh, but we would love for you to be our personal guest. And if, if I can have just about two seconds, uh, this coming Thanksgiving, uh, we're having what we call Feed 500. Uh, we are, are feeding the what we call the transitional community, uh, otherwise known as homeless. Uh, we, we, we do this every year, been doing it for six years, um, and, and we definitely do need your help. Uh, the, the, the best thing that I can tell you to do, if you if, if you can help us, if you can go to our Maximizing Life Family Worship Center page on Facebook, you'll be able to see the information that that that, that uh, of the things that we need. We need volunteers, and we just need we need help again, uh, volunteers, and and we just need uh, uh, again food to be able to uh, serve the community. Um, so uh, again, Facebook Maximizing Life Family Worship Center, home of the Max Life Church. Uh, if you go there, all the information you need for Fee 500 is there, and you can uh, get that contact information from there. Um, and and we would love for you, and we would we would really honestly bless God for any kind of help that you uh, would be able to help us. Well, Pastor, let's make sure that uh, between uh, Elder Janelle and um, yourself, we get that information so I can uh, definitely post that uh, up there for you. And listen, uh, God bless you and your family, and, uh, and certainly. Uh, the congregation and all, and you be well. We appreciate you. Yes, sir. God bless you. Thank you. You be safe as well. And uh, we, uh, again, thanks to uh, Pastor for coming on and uh, certainly appreciate him and his his insight. Uh, 646-929-0130, the number to get in touch with us. If you're on the line, stay on the line. If we reach the top of the hour, wherever you're listening, whatever time zone you're in, You'll lose the live feed, so you have to get in. If you're listening online, uh, call in now at 646-929-0130. I'm on East Coast, so 20 minutes before the top of the hour. Wherever you are, you got 20 minutes before you, you lose the live feed if we go over as we continue on the Bachelor News Radio Show, the Bachelor News Radio Network, and WCOM in Chapel Hill and Carborough. Stay tuned. for me.
songs on our website from 8 p.m. to midnight, uh, Monday through Saturday. Uh, if you want to listen to that type of uh, speed and genre, you can go to our website, The Bachelor, with a T, The Bachelor News Radio Network.com. want to go to my guest, really not a guest, he's a longtime friend and co-host of this broadcast. Uh, he's the editor-in-chief of Black Athlete Sports Network. Uh, he is Tony T. Mac McLean and T. Appreciate you coming on, sir, and, uh, and your patience. How's it going? Good. Um, I, I want to start with uh, a story that it's really tragic, um, but certainly has some other uh, elements to it already. So, um, tragically, if you've heard, you probably heard. Um, former Buccaneers wide receiver Vincent Jackson was found dead at a hotel 
and Brandon. He was 38. You know, he's a South Tampa guy. He's a Tampa guy. Uh, he checked in allegedly, apparently, uh, in a hotel um, January 11th and, and was staying in a room uh, since then. They found him. Uh, his family reported him missing on the 10th, which was five days ago. And then later, a couple of days later, deputies um, went there and in the Homewood Suites and and um, found him. Um, it, 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 listen, uh, again, I don't do thoughts and prayers because, you know, politicians say that and they don't probably don't pray. I don't know everybody, but I will say blessings and and condolences to his family and, you know, weeping may endure that scripture, right? Joy comes in the morning, but, the morning. Um, right. But the, the, the thing is T already, and I don't want to make it into this, but it, it when you read this stuff and you want to feel for someone already, they're, they're, you know, mainstream doing what they do. Uh, already saying, you know, it, you know, thinking it might have been drugs, or it might have been a hooker, or it might have been some kind of something related. And mm-hmm. again, to the point of this family, this family that just wants to, okay, we found this guy. Now we need to have peace and some closure. Already, these stories about what he did in the past, and was he doing the drugs in the NFL when he played? Always the black folks, whether it's the black athlete or black people or somebody famous. That's the first place they go. It had to be some drugs, something illegal, some domestic something, and they, and nothing has come out. They just found their family member. Damn mm-hmm. it. And then already they go into that. Um, and and it, it really speaks to, you know, the, the organizations we're a part of and stuff, it really speaks to us getting that information once it's out and and reporting the truth. Now, if the truth is the truth, then that's what it is. But we don't need to jump to conclusions, and this is what the mainstream does with black people all the damn time. All the damn time, they do this. You know, I, you know the, the ironic thing is, you know, back in the day, um, if you go back to some of the old newspapers, literally from like the uh, 40, you know, 20s, 30s, 40s, even up to the 50s, uh, many of our deaths as black people were never reported. Uh, it was, you know, we didn't exist in, 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 in a society. So when we died, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't news, so to speak. And now, in many ways, it's, it's, it's the other extreme. Um I I literally just saw the story before uh, I came on. Literally, I, I I'm I'm like ten fifteen minutes into the story. I just I just saw like the the generic AP story, um, and you know I feel you know again I think that the. The, 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 I know for me the knee jerk is wow, thirty eight years old. You know, I hope you know. Right. Um, Young. Yeah. Well, see, me personally, I when when a young football player passes away, the first thing I think of is unfortunately uh, CTE when when things like this or or or, or something 
that possibly could be related. You know, I'm, I, I'm, I, I say that, you know, there was a story uh, that moved during the Super Bowl that mainstream media literally and figuratively tried to bury. Um, the uh, former NFL players, many former NFL players, you know, who filed for the uh, concussion protocol um, uh, payments a few years back. Uh, and now it's come to light, and I guess ABC News uh, uh, put the story out. And, you know, shameless plug, if you want to know more about this story, you can go to our, our, our Facebook page uh, at com at, at Facebook. But basically uh, what, was, you know, what was said was that um, <coughs> excuse me, a lot of the concussion protocol uh, in regards to the suit that 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 the NFL and the uh, former players um, settled on. A lot of the suits of proving whether damages are done are being played out in racial uh, in racial terms. White players uh, aren't being given much of a you know they're basically are, are allowed to get through, but black players, former black players, have had to literally prove that their injury, that their concussion injuries and whatever uh, were done through football. Um, they're, they're, they had, there's an instance where there was a player who's been out of the league for about five to ten years, uh, has been turned down two, three times, and he still, uh, ha- he still has, uh, he's still going through a lot of what he went through as a player, you know, as an ex-player, you know, headaches, um, all the other, all the things that go with uh, concussions and with CTE, and I say all that to basically say a lot of these guys are relatively young. I guess there's players from back in the day. We all know of uh, with um, John Mackey. Uh, we always we've heard of Dave Dearson, and of course the extreme case of uh, Junior Seau, which basically got this whole thing started. If you ever have caught, you know, Frontline, uh, the movie Concussion with Will Smith was based on the Frontline Junior episode Seau. back in the day. Uh, uh, all, it was based on that. Now, now the movie focused a little bit more on uh, Mike Webster and others, but the one constant is that the league and, you know, we, a lot of our media outlets over the years, us, us included, we have uh, had numerous discussions with a lot of the former players and how they've uh, been depicted. And the one constant, even in uh, this suit, is lie, deny, hope that they die. And that's been a constant. Right. Now, again, I say all right. of that because, unfortunately, whenever I hear of a football player that dies relatively young, that's the first thing that I think of. But I think, but you also... But, Tony, but Tony the, let me... The, the, the and, and I, and I I'm that making it. I know exactly. I guess hear me what out, I'm saying out, is that... Hear me out. Hear me out. I'm, I'm agreeing with you, but hear me out. But the thing is, because, because mainstream media has been culturally... Um, you know, it's it, it's in their DNA to black man dies, scandalize his name. You know, good, bad, or indifferent. And 
that's the thing, you know, to me, sit back and, you know, look at the situation, what led to it. It's, you know, it's cowardly to come out and just scandalize this man already when you literally and figuratively don't have the facts. Now, it speaks to where we're at in media, where it's fair, you know, literally dead men tell no tales. And this is the thing here. Um, Mr. Jackson can't speak for himself anymore because he's already gone. And the sad thing is you've got these little vultures that are going to try to write, are going to literally try to be judge, jury, and executioner in regards to this. It's coward. I mean, there's another word for it, but I know, you know, kids are listening, so I won't go there with that. But it's, but it's damn but cowardly. It, I guess it's deeper. It's even deeper than that from sports for the sports perspective, T, because I get Yankee people upset that Brett freaking Gardner is gone from the Yankees and he ain't dead, but they want to keep him to have a damn job, but they can, this Vincent Jackson is dead and they want to defame him and his family. I mean, that's, what are you doing here? You want to keep well, a job for this white boy over here. He's alive, mm-hmm. but Vincent Jackson had to do drugs. You want to put his family through, through shit because he's black. Well, again, it 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 play it it plays into how mainstream media depicts black athletes. It depict, you know, um, I I saw did I now did I see right the other day they uh, signed Jay Bruce to a a, a, yeah. a, a minor league deal. Good uh, good luck with that, by the way. Um, it's um well they they ready to ban me from the damn they make uh, a Yankee thing because Brett White Gardner ain't did shit for the Yankees and they going they having a they panties in a a, a damn crunch they ain't do well, nothing White Boy can stay there for all those years they ain't did nothing let a brother be in New York with the Yankees and see if he stay that long hitting two fifty and ain't doing nothing come on now well that's you know it oh, oh look. That's another two-hour show in and of itself. Uh, that you know, uh, and and you know, but see, that's your team. That's your history. You know, you you know what the deal. You know what the deal has been. Uh, whether it was Reggie, whether it was Al Downing, whether it was Chris Chambliss, uh, you know that that you know, one of you know, hey, as I have I, I've said many a times, many. One of the main reasons why I became a Met fan at a young age was out of spite because I had a lot of Yankee fans and I never could understand. You know, I get the whole you know winning the championships and all the other stuff, but the the Yankee, the quote unquote Yankee way, has always, to a certain extent, been played along racial lines. I mean, even even guys like like a you know we've heard that line of, well, um, you know, well, Reggie was good, but Reggie wasn't a true Yankee. And I'm thinking, what in the hell does that mean? Not a true Yankee. He helped you win two champions. He helped you win a couple championships. Uh, You wouldn't have gotten over the, you wouldn't have gotten over the hump without him. There have been several uh, uh, great black ball players that have come through there. And, And, you know, let's face it. Yankees were one of the last teams 
to integrate. You know, they always use the excuse, "Well, we don't need Black to integrate, but not good." But, but that's you know, right. that's to me, to me, to me, that's always sort of been that you know, um, systematic racism as opposed to whatever. But all that being said, and to to to, to get back to uh, the point at hand, the sad thing, you know, um, one of the most heinous. Um, things we saw a few years back was um, when um, Sean Taylor, the great uh, cornerback from the uh, Washington football team a few years ago, uh, was right. was was killed in his home. And you had national media folks, black and white, basically said, well, because of his alleged background back in the day. I mean, they all but basically said he deserved to die because of right. and see and see that 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 you know that has become the um that has become the norm for whenever a black athlete or even just a a black man you know a, a prominent black man passes away it's never and Vincent Jackson didn't even have a history that we know of any gangs or anything that Sean matter. Taylor had his was shortcomings or whatever but see, that's my point. It doesn't matter whether you have a uh, whether you have a history or not. You're a black man, and 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 see, that's that's the that's that's the constant. You know, whether you're Vincent Jackson, who for the most part hasn't done anything, or Sean Taylor, who did turn his life around, at, you know, afterwards. But still, it's always going to be. You know, it's always going. They're always going to. You know, whenever you pass on, they will. You know, there will be. A, there's going to be a group of folks in mainstream that feel it's their duty to bury you even more so after you die. And 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 Tony. And, and, yep. Go ahead. Now, and go ahead. Tony, to your point, you and I, we've talked about this all the time. It, it, it we can't we're in the we can't win syndrome, uh, Pat Nation listening out there, and, and Tony knows this. If, if we get stopped by a, a police officer, right? If we do everything we're supposed to do, we get killed. If we don't do it, we get killed. If we're Ali and and we die, we still get people that may have problems. If you're Vincent Jackson. You you're gonna be vilified. So what I mean, we don't we. It, it doesn't matter if we're doing good or bad. It doesn't matter if we're, you know, famous or not. To Tony's point, they're always going to vilify us uh, at some point in life and in death. And Tony, I'll bring you to Colin Kaepernick. Now, Colin Kaepernick, we've already chronicled on this show and your show. And, and your website about the man, pe- people, and everybody with any common sense that knows a rock is really a rock understands he didn't kneel to disrespect the flag. And oh, by the way, F the flag. I ain't pledging allegiance to the flag anyway, so I don't give a damn about the flag, but that's my opinion. But even though, even with that said, if you wanted to do that, he wasn't doing that. He was doing it because we're getting tired of getting shot and getting knocked upside the head 
on the street by cops and all the other stuff that's going on. Having said that, him and Ava DuVernay, as you know, T, uh, the famous uh, writer and has shows, they're doing this uh, documentary, which he's going to be narrating, and it's Colin in black and white. It's going to be coming out. And the Proud Boys, as we know who they are, uh, have already looked at not only protesting, but some other stuff. And I fear for Colin Kaepernick. I've always feared for Colin Kaepernick. I'm surprised ain't nobody, we ain't heard nobody trying to kill Colin Kaepernick. So with the Proud Boys T getting involved with this, trying to protest and do all this stuff, and they are the, the foot soldiers for the fascists that just left the office and wants to come back to the office, um, it, 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 it's not only that to try to block this and this, this wonderful, beautiful black sister that's doing all this business, right, doing the good thing. Um, it, it, it also is the pylon. Like, this dude, they banned him from football, right? So he got to make another living. But that's not enough. They got to keep going. It's the Michael Vick thing. You took him out of football. You put him in prison for some bullshit for 23 months. And then he comes out, and you still piling out. And, and he had to acquiesce just to get a job. Now they want to pile on a dude that they already blocked from football, that they don't even want anything. They block in any of these um, um, uh, businesses that want to work with him. It's just a pile-on effect, T. He can't win. He can't live. He can't breathe. You know what I'm saying? He can't get a break. And we hear that, and white folks, I own slaves. But he can't get a break because the Proud Boys now want to block this whole thing. And, and Lord knows and God knows if he don't need protection, uh, Ava definitely needs protection. But it just it's an ongoing thing, T. With they, 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 will, they want you under the jail. They want you in the dirt alive. You can't well, do anything if you're in bad, in, in bad position with them. And and it's on the, the the sad thing is is that that's not you know it's been going on for years it's still going on unfortunately you know, and and now they feel you know now not now they feel beholden empathy again it's incumbent upon us to do our to to, to do what we do because look they're gonna do what they're gonna do and to be quite honest with you. The hell with them. I just, I don't, you know, I, you know, I, it, yes, it's, is it, is it annoying and all the other stuff? Yeah. But they're going to do what they want to do any goddamn way. And it's incumbent upon us. I, I, I sort of go back to what uh, Bob Kendrick said the other night. Now, we could, you know, and I get it. It's annoying as hell when, you know, to have to keep putting up with all the other stuff. But I think it behooves us to, while we are making sure that the information is out there, we uh, we put out there, you know, to you know, just as loud as the Proud Boys, you know, yell, we got to yell louder. We got to you know, right. we have to, we have to because we can, it can get demoralizing very very quickly, but you can't let it, you can't let it demoralize because stories like this. Are are not going to end. They're they're going to come up again, along the way, and it's again, we just have to make sure. 
And it's beyond the whole Michelle saying, when they go high, we go low. No, just do what we do. Yes. We just have to just, we have to, you know, I've said it before, we have to remain vigilant. We have to just make sure, you know, you know, what's, what's the one thing, you know, Professor Whitted always says, we have to tell our stories. And a part of telling our stories is being vigilant in the media, is being is, is is letting folks realize what you know we have to give folks we have to give folks uh, an education of what's going on now, now also you know, let, 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 let's be fair there are a lot you know a lot of folks know what the hell's going on so they just it's like hey you know been there done that seen this movie you know you know seen seen this happen before and again we don't say it to condone it but you just you you know you're constantly reminded of how people who hate you try to view you. And a lot of times, end of the day, the folks that hate on, that hate on me, I usually tell them, which cheek do you want to kiss, the left one or the right one? And I'm not talking about my face. And see, that, that's a great point, and, and that's where I was going to go. Uh, if you, and, folks, if you're just joining us, we're talking with Tony T. Mac McClain, uh, editor-in-chief, of uh, Black Athlete Sports Network. And, and T, this is where I want to, I'm glad you went there because, you know, the scripture says we all have gifts. You know, if you preach, preach. If you did, you protest, pro- whatever. Whatever your gift is, whatever you want to bring to the table, that's what you do. I'm paraphrasing, obviously. But the point okay. is, is that um, if we, if, you know, if we in the media, you, you more specifically as a writer and editor, Right. How far do we go? No, no, no. No, but wait a minute. Let me finish. Let me finish. No, no, no. Let me finish. Right. No, let me finish. Let me finish. Right. Let me finish. I'm not. Yeah, I appreciate that. But what I'm saying is that as a writer and an editor, there's an etiquette that you have to have. But you have. But but you know the words to say. You can say kiss my ass in a really nice way. And you know, it'd be professional, whatever. So my question is, how far does the media go as opposed to folks on, like me, like, I'll say kiss my ass, you know, but do we need to, how how far does black media need to go to combat that kind of stuff that we see in the writing, the subliminal stuff that the racist people and the mainstream or otherwise, right wing, whatever, that, that they write it and they put it out there as propaganda how do we fight it and be professional and have that etiquette and understanding as writers like yourself and others that that can get the point across to yeah to raise your voice if, if the proud boys yell we need to yell you know yell louder sure, sure. look um luckily there's been folks that have done this that that they basically paved the way for us and to me, again, I worry more about making sure we uphold what they're able to do as opposed to, right. you know, the, the, the other folks. Because, again, the way, you know, you know, propaganda is good, bad, can be good or bad, I, I've always felt, depending on, you know, depending on what, depending on the kind of message they're trying to get across. And see, it's not all propaganda, because see, when we, because see, 
what we know as truth, our enemies will look at it as um, factual. You know, I you know, I always go back to the the Negro League, you know, and that's why I was so glad that we had um, uh, Bob on the other night. You know, when I was young and didn't know as much, I bought into the lies and the myths that were talked about with the uh, Negro Leagues about, um, you know, it was, it, you know, it was very, it was, it was run shabbily. Um, they weren't as good and all and everything else. But when I allowed, when I got educated and got older and saw that there were tons and tons and tons and tons of information out there, I realized I lied to all my life and see the thing is, especially now, and, and, I, and again, some I've said a bunch of times, we live in an information society. But unfortunately, a lot of the information that we're fed is bullshit, for lack of a better word. Um, what we have to do is disseminate, you know, you know, the bullshit from the real stuff. And yeah, it's, it, could, it could be a bit of a chore, but if it means enough to you, it shouldn't be a chore. If anything, it should be a challenge, and it should be something that you look upon as um, rewarding because you have to remember, our enemies have spent, the major- have spent all their lives trying to disprove anything and everything we've done. So them going after uh, McCaffrey, them going after Mr. Johnson, them going after LeBron, and so on and so on. That's that's been something that that that's been something that we've had to deal with since our ancestors was brought over from the motherland. You know. Now, again, and not to get too far off, but what it needs to be said, we're already blessed. Because there's a whole generation of LeBrons and uh, Kamala Harris's and others that didn't make it over. Our ancestors made it over. So just, just on that alone, we are blessed. But with that being said, being blessed, there's something that goes with that. You know, in the, in the, uh, in the Spider-Man comic book, the, the, the line is that, you know, with great you know, um, with great power comes great responsibility. And to me, that's, that could be with anybody, whether a superhero or what have you, and especially with us, because with, with the power that we have in our, in our, in our newspapers, in our, in our TV shows, in our radio shows, in our online shows, in our podcasts, in our whatever, that's great power. But we also have the responsibility to put out that information and not just put out stuff just to be putting it out. We can't, you know, that that doesn't serve us at all because anything and everything we do that's credible is always going to be questioned. You know, I've always had, you, you ask the guys that have ever wrote for me or have ever worked for me. I don't have too many rules, but the one rule that I do have, if you spell... I know them. 
if you know if you spell cat K A T, that's on me. I gotta you know I gotta make sure that's spelled up. But if you're gonna tell me that Pete Rozelle is the commissioner of Major League Baseball, that's on you. Because see, they're looking to discredit us at the slightest bit. So if nothing else, our eyes have to be our eyes have to be dotted, our T's have to be crossed, and all of that. Because not only is our uh, work going to be over scrutinized, we are going to be over scrutinized because we dare to be a black organization. Right. And, and and long are the days of the Sam Lacey's of the world and and those who actually really reported truth that had that opportunity and I, I, I and it there is a gap. We talked about that, Tony. It's oh, it's, it's 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 absolutely. a gap and and I mean and, and, and those and who of uh, uh, that, that elk that that elk mm-hmm. that would do that would tell the truth and be bold about it. Be bold mm-hmm. about it. There's a, the bold about it. That's the boldness mm-hmm. I'm talking about. We've been told sure. lies from the Bible, and you know, uh, I mean, I ain't gonna get into it, but you know, uh, it's, it's, blonde it's hair all, and, and blue eyes. It's all, it's all I mean, there. you know it's what I mean? There. Come on. So, yeah. Look, look. It's it's you know, this is something that we like again. We have dealt with. You know, our, our the, the the sad thing is. Our direct ancestors dealt with it. Their direct ancestors dealt with it, and so on, and so on. And that's the thing that's so bothersome, because it takes a it takes a toll. It it it, it definitely takes a toll on us, and it's hard to say whether it's more mentally or physically, you know. And and that and and that's 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 the that that's the toughest thing. But we have to be willing to fight. And and, and see, it's tougher now because see, some of some of the folks who paved the way for us are no longer with us. And it's not. It wasn't. You know, I think I told you, the day Ebony and Jet, uh, you know, were sold, I cried. I cried as a journalist. Yeah. And I cried as a black man because I never thought I would live a day without seeing Ebony Magazine the way that it was as I was growing up. And see, while there are still some outlets that that still are true to the game, unfortunately, we have lost a lot. Now, some of them have been co-opted, unfortunately, and then other ones have just they weren't able to sort of keep up because see, truth be told, and I don't want to go too far, but it's like um, the news newspapers as we know it are dying. They're dying a very, very, very slow death. Um, you know the uh, newspaper here, the Hartford Current, they just had a bunch of layoffs. But see, here's the other thing: the Mouse just had a bunch of layoffs late last year as well, and you know they you know they've had matter of fact. They've had like about three or four series of of um, layoffs Mouse, over the last. Mouse being years. Mouse being ESPN, so people know Mouse being ESPN and Disney. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm so no sorry. I'm used to calling them up, but 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 um, of 
stop now. A lot of it has to do now. A lot of it recently has to do with the pandemic. But for newspapers, this has been a gradual thing. Newspapers as we know it, and a lot of it depends on what, what part of the country you're in. Some some places newspapers are still very prevalent, but overall, uh, it's hit or miss. That's why it's incumbent upon what we do, whether it's through the internet, whether it's through podcasting or radio or what have you. See, the great thing is there are more opportunities out there as well. So we need to we need to we need to you know we need to uh, use them, especially now because you know if if you didn't think it was war before, sure as hell no it is now. I would think. Right, and 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 to your point, um, Tony, it you know the the other side is always going to do what they do, so there's no surprise. It's like oh, if, if you're know. surprised, if you're surprised, welcome to the party. We've been here. You're just late to the understanding of what's going on. Um, it, my concern, just a final point to you, when you look at the two stories I mentioned. Um, one alive, one is gone home, and and yet they're both being vilified, and they're being vilified by the same sources, really. Proud yeah, Boys well, have got connections with it, whatever, and it's the same thing. And so, it, 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 my point is that whether in death or in life, we have to be the Sam Lacy's or, or the Tony McLean's that, that put out the stuff vigorously. We have to put it out. We have to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, look, it's just all, all this, all this, uh, all this, this means, all this is, is just a more reinforcement of knowing what we have to do. That's all. I don't, I don't, I don't poo-poo it, but I don't ignore it. It's just, you know, okay, just another, just another, you know, just another uh, hill to climb more than anything else. And the crazy, you know, what's, what's funny is, Watch the Red Sox uh, sign your boy. Just out of spite. <laughs> well, of course, that's what they, that's what they would do. But uh, and and just so you know, T, I was probably I would think, you know, when you on these little sites and stuff, they have little pictures and stuff and stuff. I don't know for sure, Nation. I'm not even saying that, but I get a good feeling. That was probably the only black person that had a problem with Brett White Gardner leaving the Yankees. It's a side thing if you don't understand the, the sports part of it, but uh, the white player who was playing for the Yankees forever and ain't did diddly squat. He didn't hit anything or do anything really of significance. And then they finally, the, the Yankees finally let him go. And all these white folks going, all these white Yankee fans going crazy. Oh, my God. And I'm like, he never did anything. And they sent me all this negative backlash to like, you know, how dare you? He's a Yankee. No, he wasn't a Yankee. He wasn't. He didn't do anything as a Yankee. Are you serious? No. But in the meantime, Vincent Jackson died in a hotel, this black ball player. And they ready to say he was on drugs or it was gang-related or drug-related or uh, some hooker, this or that, whatever. 
So you're going to defend this dude on one side you know and what? vilify the brother on the other put, side. Put, put, put it this way. Uh, if you ever need to whatever, uh, have him bring up, uh, up Daryl Kyle and see what happens. Yeah, Daryl uh, Kyle Darryl would Ky- probably yeah, even... Darryl Ky- well, Daryl Kyle unfortunately passed away very similarly to uh, Mr. Jackson in the sense right. that before a game... On national television, they found him dead in his hotel, and you know the first, thing, you know, and and you know he was, you know, he was, you know, they, uh, you know, they didn't go, he didn't, they didn't go after him. But then when you found right. out what what everything went to, then all of a sudden, you know, there was a the, the, the story, you know, winds up getting, you know, so it, it was, you know, well, well, it isn't really, it, it isn't how he died, it's how he lived. Well, right, right. Be, just like you know, the, just like these, just like these, these little white kids, especially girls that get on drugs or whatever, and they go to Betty Ford or wherever they go for their rehab. But meanwhile, in D.C., all these little young uh, sisters are getting kidnapped and sold into slavery and everything, and nobody talks about it at all. They they dying and being taken away. For Christ's sake, they're pepper spraying the uh, the kids. Right. You know, well, yeah. the nine-year-old kid got the nine-year-old girl got the pepper spray the other day, and they and, yeah, and, and, absolutely. and they will swear and they will swear to you up and down. They they were you know they were gonna you know they were going to they were going to find a way to make it out that she was like you know uh, a military hunter all to herself. A nine-year, if you're such a coward that you have to pepper spray a nine-year-old girl and please you know if you're really going to try to play the whole um i fear for my life then you need to be an accountant if a you nine, need if to a, be something other than an officer you're right other than an officer you need to be you don't need to be an officer at all that's right and then not for a nine-year-old if you can't handle a nine-year-old then you certainly in the wrong but, business. But, and um, the, sad, the, sad, the, the, the sad thing is, it's beyond about you know being her being a nine year old. They they didn't they didn't acknowledge her as being a nine year old. That's the and, and she therein lies a lot of what 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 goes on here is that they don't acknowledge us. Uh, they don't they, they they refuse to acknowledge our humanity. And that and and that and the. That's a two-hour conversation in and of itself. And T, I already know you—you you know the history and, and seen the, the documentaries. But just for for the sake of the audience, I I had to I had the pleasure of uh, sitting uh, with my sons over the weekend and watching uh, Forty Two, which you and I have our issues with it, but you know whatever. And then and uh, um, Marshall. Thurgood Marshall, that movie, and, and that was really oh, a lot better than you know. You know, you know not just uh, if you get a chance. If you get a chance, not to go too far off subject, but I think it's not too far. Off. If you get a chance, if you if you if you get a chance, if you can check out Judas and the Black Messiah, do it as soon as possible. I, I, I watched it over the weekend. Yes, sir. Excellent movie. Excellent movie. 
Well, the, the, I mean, the the title of Judas on the, with the Black Panther, you kind of know what's going on, but I want to see well, yeah, it anyway, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, like I know you, own, you, you know what Judas own, is, so you mm-hmm, figure that's yeah. what it is. My yeah. only, my only, my only uh, critique was I thought that you know they tried to make quote unquote Judas out to be a sympathetic figure, but I'm not. That's all oh, I'm saying. Man. I was gonna say, but no, but Jeez. no, but you know what? No, but still. Still watch the movie though. It it should still be because if nothing else, folks who have never known and who knows uh, about Fred Hampton will get a will get will will get it will get a great education. And to me, you know, I I I rather watch the painful stories so I can be reminded of why we do what we do. Right, and it, and they are painful, and 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 the the, the fact that you know. Um, you know, mainstream. Going back to that again, uh, and and pro and, and the left. I mean, the right and whoever in between will tell you that the Black Panthers are militant. Look up militant, Pat Nation, for a minute. Actually, look up militant. But anyway, they'll tell you how militant they were. They won't tell you how the the food program they had and um, the education uh, program they had and all the other and programs health, that the Black Panther and Party put in place. And healthcare. And healthcare. Thank you. And healthcare. Thank you. But they won't tell you that part. They'll tell you that the Black Panther just wanted to kill white people. You know. And that's that's and, where and, it is. And, that's and, how. And the, and, the, and the crazy thing is that lie has been told so many times and people still buy into it. The sad thing is there's other black people buy into it as well. Yeah. The Black Panther Party, you hear that military? I have a sister-in-law who was in the Black Panther who showed me documents. Sister-in-law, Black Panther, a little ladder in the, the, the year, that showed me documents of what they were doing, like legitimate oh, certified again, documents. The information, so, the information is out there, but again, if you, if you tell the lie loud enough and long enough, people will believe it. But see, again, we're in an information society. That information is out there, but you know, you gonna believe you gonna believe you gonna believe the facts. You gonna believe your lying eyes and lying ears. Well, I'll leave you with this, Tony, and, and give you your Negro Damas points on this. The fact is that, um, and I knew this, but the fact is that you sometimes you have to know it and come to grips with it and and really just kind of let it marinate, right? And the bottom line is this. Um, I'm not saying all black people, but I am saying what you said. You can't save everybody. So if you can't oh, yeah. save everybody, then you got to keep it moving. You say yeah, that all the yeah, time. Yeah. You Look, I mean, you put it out there. You can't save everybody. You can't. If they want to be and believe that black black people want to believe black panthers are bad or whatever this that and the other and you you present stuff you can't mm-hmm. save everybody they don't believe you know, it then I, you got to keep qualifying it. let me just qualify it a little bit you can't save everybody especially those who don't want to who 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 don't want to who don't want to hear the be saved but, but but most importantly sure. but, but, but 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 most importantly wallow in that ignorance Right, and and that's really and and then you know again people believe what they want to believe. That's why you got all these racist, crazy people running around because they they believe 
what they want to believe. And and so um, I applaud you on that. T, I, I'll talk with you uh, soon. Appreciate you, man. All right, and uh, I'll I'll uh, I'll have uh, I'll have Mr. Gardner give you a call later on tonight. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, it, the the call will be unanswered. We don't need them. Goodbye, good riddance. Should have been a long time we'll just, ago, anyway. We'll put it this way: every every dugout in Major League Baseball is now uh, is, is happy that he's gone now. Well, and then every every uh, um, uh, team also is looking for two fifty hitters. So, yeah, I guess at at a hundred years old, that could steal five bases. So, yeah, go ahead and bring him in. So. Ridiculous. Thanks, T. Appreciate you. Take care, man. All right. Tony T. Mac McLean, of course, from uh, uh, Black Athlete Sports New- Newsroom on the line, wrapping up a uh, little music in-, in just a bit. But again, folks, I mean, the, the other side is going to do what they do. The difference is we have to do our own homework. I don't want to hear about Black Lives Matter. I don't want to hear about people destroying things when you got white folks going to the Capitol, taking back their country. If you black and you buying into that dumb shit, then that's you. And I can't help you with that. At some point, you'll have your nigger moment. Tiger Woods had it. OJ Simpson had it. You're going to have it. And if you don't have it, then... Um, it, it'll come in some form or you'll be shut out of something because white folks don't want you in. The the ones that I'm talking about, not all, but the ones I'm talking about, they don't want you in the club. They allow you in the club. They don't want you in the club. They don't want you at the table like some people I know that think they sitting at the table, they getting it. No. Uh, the table has to be equal or it has to be taken by any means necessary. That's how it's got to work. If you ain't down with that, then this is the wrong program for you. Thanks for all our guests this evening. If you miss any part of our broadcast, go to our website, the Bachelor News with a T, Bachelor News uh, Radio Network.com, the Bachelor News Radio Network.com. Tell a friend to tell a friend. If you believe in it, if you don't, that's okay too. You don't have to, because as my mom said, you know, get glad and scratch your boom and you know, you know, you get mad, scratch your boom and get glad. So I, I don't, I don't want to come across that way. Other than the fact that it is what it is. You're gonna believe it or not. There's no middle ground anymore. The last guy who was in the White House proved that. You either on one side or not. You're on the side of. of of justice and equality or you on the side of what you saw on January 6th. There's no middle ground. You, you, Where you at? You don't have to be on the street to protest. You can send out emails saying, hey, look at this racist stuff. Tell a friend, tell a friend. You don't have to be on the street to be doing that. You have to be uh, honest and have a conscience about justice, especially if you have kids. My God, I don't care if your kids are 15 or, or 25 or 35. They still are you're going more than likely die before them. Do you want them to have a, a, a country and a, a, a life that's better? I mean, people don't want to get involved. Now, if I said the, the you know, the, uh, 
lives of Atlanta or whatever. People be emailing me up and telling me what episode and everything else. If I say C-SPAN or CNN, nobody could tell me anything. I'm not asking you to be a politician. I'm just asking you to be conscious. That's it. That's it. That's it. You don't have to watch it or listen to it all day, but you just got to know what the hell is going on. It's as simple as that, but I'm going to leave it at that because I don't want to you preach and, and get on my soapbox again if you miss any part of our broadcast let's go to our website the bachelor news radio network.com uh, bachelor with the t the bachelor news radio network.com on a on the home page in the middle page you can click on that and get our latest and live um music or programming at the top of the page you'll see all the page links and shows you can click on it and listen to this show in particular or other shows that we have up there we try to be um proactive but we also have some conservative uh conversations up there as well if you're interested in being a part of this whether it be as an advertiser or business or if you want to have your own show, you can email us at labachelor with a T40 at gmail.com. LABachelor40gmail.com. Enjoy. Thank you all to our new listeners, 757 910, and other area codes. Appreciate all of you, all your kind words. On the Bachelor News Radio Show on the Bachelor News Radio Network, WCOM in Chapel Hill. And Carbo. We always end with some music, so stay tuned for some songs to wrap up today, and we appreciate you. Thank you.
phone lying Don't tell the truth Don't you dare You can't drop me Cause you still got me After taking me way up